Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today, we have Sandra Minivar-Sudeth on the show. She's the Chief Audit Executive at the Texas Department of Motor Vehicles. I really enjoyed this one because Sandra's background is in analytics and it's in um, tech. It's really interesting. She might have the most tech background of an audit executive that, that I've talked to, I'm, I'm sure, on the show anyway. And so it's really great to hear her perspective. And a couple of things, even just outside of tech that we talked about, is how to train the audit committee. So that's something that Sandra realized was a need as audit is changing and we're not just doing financial audits, the need to train the audit committee and tell them and teach them, educate them on what we do was something she identified as being really important. So we, we got her thoughts on that, how to do that, what that process looked like. And we got her thoughts on independence and objectivity and an example of when that can be you know so bad that you're not even helping the organization so i think most of the folks we've had on here have, have said something similar with their thoughts on independence and objectivity in terms of people almost going overkill with it uh, so to get sandra's opinion here was was really good she also talks about i asked the question what should everyone in audit start doing and what should everyone in audit stop doing and immediately she said, everyone should start doing data analytics and then give some use cases from what they've done at the Texas DMV. Um, and then the, her stop doing is audit reports. Uh, I guess coming from the government, they tend to be very long, she was saying. So that was something that that she had she talked about. And then lastly, we talk about why are more audit folks not using analytics and Sandra goes into how they kind of piloted analytics within her group. So I think they've been using it pretty heavily for about a year and a half, or maybe they started the process about a year and a half ago. I've, I've started to see a lot of really good results from it. So it was a really, really good takeaway, if nothing else, to get to get that piece of it. So uh, that is it. Here we go. So one of the things I found most interesting when we initially talked was, I believe you had maybe a new audit committee or a new audit committee chair coming on, or, or maybe it was uh, relatively recently, but you're talking about how to train the audit committee, which I thought mm -hmm. was very interesting and, and something I think the listeners um, can get a lot of value of. So could you kind of walk me through um, where that maybe need arised or how, or, or how you recognized it and then some of the steps that you did to, to train the audit committee? Absolutely. So, you know, one thing that I think audits changing and it's changing really fast, right? And a lot of committee members and board members are used to 
oh, I would call old school auditing, right? More transactional, more financial based. And as we started to do more strategic audits, more operational audits, more looking at like, is the design of our program really what we need? We, we realized, and I realized um, that we needed to really train the audit committee to understand what we were doing and how to really understand governance and risk, right? And that was a gap that we were seeing. Um, and so one of the things we started doing was, you know, when a new board member comes on, they get an hour with me. And instead, you know, we shifted our training from, hey, this is the audits we just did. It's more about, this is the role of internal audit. This is what we do. This is our risk. This is our governance. This is kind of the big picture. And this is how you fit in. This is what you need to be doing for us, you know, for us and for the department, if that makes sense. Um, and that had really kind of started the, the training of, of the board members and helping them understand. And it's a lot of information. Like our internal audit does a lot of things. And so they are, they're brand new and most of them have never been in part of public government. And so they are not necessarily fully versed on everything. So it's a lot, you know, to take in. Um, and so after the training, we started doing monthly communications to the audit committee and then a quarterly communication to the board. And part of that was to, you know, talk about what we're doing, but also to educate them on what we're seeing as risk and what they should be aware of from a governance perspective. And so we call it um, a hot topic. So we'll put something in the, the monthly communication that will talk about, hey, cybersecurity, or here's the new shift in internal audit, anything to help educate them. And that has actually really started, have caused our board members to really have conversations with us that we weren't having before and really understanding their role a little bit better. Yeah, that's great. Well, how, how's that been received? I would assume very well. It has, it's been really well. Actually, we just went through our external assessment. And one of the things I asked the external assessment team was, you know, can you tell me what the board thinks of this? Cause I get, I get, this is great, but I'm like, but is it really great? Like, is it great because they're just, they, they're happy with whatever I'm doing or is it really uh, important, you know, helping them? And the external assessment team came back and said, no, they're really happy with it. They're really understanding the role. They're getting better information. They feel like they have a better grasp about the governance and risk through the training and the information we're providing them on a regular basis. Yeah, that's great, Ben. What is a commonly held belief in the profession that you passionately disagree with? Oh, man, there's so many. Um, <laughs> but I think, uh, no, um, I think, and I don't mean there's so many, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm young, I'm millennial. And I feel like there's like a lot of things where like, well, this is how we used to do it, which is, you know, the death of any auditor, right. but, and we still say that. Um, but I think the biggest one is, you know, I've seen a lot of issues with people very focused on their independence and objective objectivity to such a degree where they can't even help their organization achieve their goals. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously we need to be independent objective, you know, those are our standards and things like that. And we can't do our jobs without that. But I've seen situations where people are, you know, saying, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be participating in this executive steering committee because that's gonna hinder my independence. In reality though, it's really, it's really not. It's more about, well, how do I help this organization reduce their risk or at least understand their risk? They still choose to do it or not do it. That's up to them. It's management, right? But how do I help them understand the risk before it, it happens instead of afterwards? Because the worst thing, at least for me, is hearing our clients say, man, I really wish I had known about that yeah. before we programmed this or before we spent this money, right? I wish we could have mitigated it at the beginning. And 
you know, that's, that to me is like where you get a lot of bang for your buck. And a lot of auditors that I know of, um, have been very strongly, um, have been, you know, they've had difficulties letting go of that independence and objectivity. And I don't want to say let go of it because we have to have it, Mm -hmm. but like understanding that there are situations where you can participate and provide advice and still be independent objective. And I think COVID's like a perfect example of of that, right? Um, A lot of us have been asked to do more than we probably would have done before. Like I know I was sitting on our, um, our COVID meeting calls just to provide advice on information and communication, risk to employee safety, things to that regard. Some people were feeling, you know, some people that I talked to that were being asked to do that were feeling uncomfortable about it, but then they realized, hey, we're helping with a current situation. It's really mitigating risk and they're understanding that they can be independent objective. Yeah, and I'm starting to hear more and more people with your line of mm-hmm. thought say that. And I don't know if it's because of COVID and like, I think, I think a lot of the thought leaders like kind of jumped on that also during COVID to be like, look, it's okay. You, you can help the company. Um, probably the most drastic example though, um, or, or way of thinking about it was someone said, would you rather help the company now and help save it or not? And it go under and you not have a job. Like which, which one is higher risk there, you know? Exactly. And like, if you think about it, even that and like IT projects, right? IT projects and, and cybersecurity continue to be a risk for, you know, you read any publication, you're like IT transformation digital, right? These are million dollar projects and multi-million dollar projects. Do you really want to be the auditor that goes in afterwards and say, you set up the architecture of this project completely wrong and it's going to cost $2.5 million to fix it yeah. after they went for, you know, however long to, to do it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the one I think, and that's a, that's a good example because there is so much it and there's always mm-hmm. a new system. I mean, even if you're going from one huge ERP to another one, you know, like that's not completely uncommon, you know, it's not super right. rare. Um, so jumping in on that as soon as possible, I think that comes down to, you know, the communication, especially in the relationships with the, um, with various committee members and, and, and things like that, so that you're aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they know um, what it is that we can do for them instead of just the um, the typical perception of audit, you know? Absolutely. It's about building those relationships and informal to understand what's going on and then be able to provide advice because sometimes they may not really understand it and you may have a different perspective. Like we deal with PCI in my agency and, um, you know, we have a better understanding of PCI than maybe our finance people do because that's not their, their wheelhouse. And so they may come to us and ask us a question and we're like, well, have you thought about the impact on our PCI levels? Or have you thought about this? And they're like, no, we didn't think about that because that's not their wheelhouse. That's what, you know, we have an understanding of it so we can provide that advice and, and help them maybe mitigate that risk or at least be aware of the risk. And if they choose to accept it, it's, they're aware. That's the most important thing. Hey everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. 
Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Okay, so we're talking about independence and, and that being <laughs> you know something that you, you disagree with. What would be something um, that everyone in audit should stop doing right now? Um, so maybe that's even assessing their approach to independence. And then on the other side of that, what's something that everyone in audit should be doing right now or should start doing right now if they haven't done it already? So I think a couple of things that come to mind, um, one is data analytics, right? I'm a big proponent of data analytics. I love using data. I'm, my background is more on the data side. That's kind of where I, I got my bread and butter, like, you know, and started in auditing. Um, and I think there's two levels to data analytics. And the first one is how are you using it in your engagements, right? Like, are you really using it in your engagements? You know, are you still doing random haphazard samples, judgmental samples? Are you using analytics to really figure out what your population is and then do a whatever stratified sample, whatever, or to do full population testing? Because if you have the right of data analytics, you can use that. Mm -hmm. I think that's the first level. I think if you're at an, um, at an organization where you're not using that, you're really, really, really behind. Um, I, I just don't see how audit can continue to provide the impact, right? Because we can find issues. We all find issues, but I can't sell anything until I know what the impact is, right? My board's not going to care if I find a, a misstatement of $15 or a process that's costing us $15. They're going to care if we're, if the process costs more than, you know, you know, or the process is so expensive that the controls in there, it's more expensive than what we're getting out of yeah. it. Right. Um, you know, we had a situation like that where we, we did the cost of, um, of the procurement process for specific goods. And we found, hey, the cost of buying these goods is more expensive. No, it's it's more expensive than the goods themselves. So the people and stuff like that, that's yeah. what they're interested in. And we were able to use data analytics for that. Nice. Um, so that's like, I would say level one. And then level two data analytics is how are you, the information you're collecting, how are you using that to provide inf perspective information to your board and executive management? Um, so we use data analytics and like we capture risk and control information and we put it all on dashboards for our boards and our executive office. So that way they can, in a snapshot, see the landscape, right? How many risks are we testing? How many controls are we testing? What are the scores for those controls? Did they pass? Did they fail? Did they result in issues? What is the recommendations? You know, how many are we, you know, reviewing all the departments or we just focused on a couple ones it gives them an ability to have a snapshot and we've been doing that for about almost a year and a half now um and it's been really helpful like we're having better conversations with both our executives and our board because they have these dashboards and they're able to say hey i noticed you haven't audited you know your um the revenue section since 2017 what's what's going on with that why are they you know, there you haven't audited them since the song, but they have, a, you know, they have a hundred high risk areas, and that's completely made up. But, um, you know, what what's going on with that? You know, why are you not going in there? And that drives the conversation, and we're able to provide better perspective and things like that. Why do, Why do you think the ones that aren't using analytics to either degree aren't using it? I think it's hard. I think it's really hard to do, right? I don't think it's easy. It It, it takes a lot of time. I mean, we've been using. I would say past two years, we've really been more doing more true analytics, like before we were using some samples, but it takes time. You have to have people trained on it. They have to understand it. You have to have the money to do the right tools. Like even buying Excel, 
you know, is you can do Excel, a lot of things in Excel, but there's certain things that you may not be able to do in Excel that you may need to go purchase a new, a license or things like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the, I think the big thing, it's, it's hard. It's something new you have to learn. Yeah. And if you're not willing to learn it, you're not going to want to do it. Yeah. And I, and it is hard. And that's what, um, depending on if we, what clip we use for YouTube mm-hmm. or not, you won't be able to see how big my smile was when you said that, <laughs> because it is hard and you either have to really just kind of enjoy it. You yeah. know, like there's like, when I put my headphones on and I'm, you know, doing analytics, like it just makes my brain happy. And yeah. Somebody <laughs> laughed at me when I said that one time, they were like, uh, no, that is, yeah, that is definitely not the case for me when that, you know, when I do it. And so that's, you know, that's why I like it. It just makes my brain happy for what, you know, for whatever reason, the problem solving or, or you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is, but I try to tell that. And I think maybe because, you know, as a vendor, I think they go, yeah, I'm sure it is hard, you know, and then they go by the tool and I'm like, please don't go by the tool yet. Put some uh, framework in, yeah. understand who's going to use it. Definitely don't buy the tool for everybody in your group, like start a pilot, you know, one person that you think are, has interest in it and kind of build it out from there. Inevitably they buy the tool and, you know, they don't use it. It's in the corner. (laughs) Yeah. And, 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 you know, some of the tools are pretty steep, but anyway, I, I appreciate very much that you, you said that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, so I have my staff, everyone said, we want to do, you know, Mm -hmm. data analytics and IT. That's what we want to do. You know, that's what we want to learn because that's the hot topic. Right. And, and really that's where the profession is moving, whether we, we want to admit or not, like IT continues to be high risk, no matter where you are. Um, And so we did, we, we didn't buy everyone the tool. We gave everyone projects, like small little projects to kind of work on data analytics for like, we have this thing called key risk indicator. So it's a way to keep on a pulse for high risk areas. And I was like, okay, if you really want to learn, I'll pay for the training, but here's some small projects to kind of help you see if you can do it. Right. And some of them have been extremely successful. Um, some of them not, not so much, and that's okay. It's not for everyone. You, you have to have you have to enjoy it. Like I will tell you, I think last Saturday, one of the dashboards that I built for our executive office. So we, I just do this complicated script and I had it working and then I was doing some quality checks on it. And I noticed an issue where the numbers were not, you know, the numbers in the table were right, but the, the visual wasn't pulling it correctly. Mm-hmm. I spent two hours figuring out, and it yeah. was one of those, you know, tables where um, it's, it depends on where you put the columns, where the, it, it's smart. So it thinks about it. Um, it's power BI. So it, it was really funny because I spent two hours on it and I was like, I couldn't figure it out. I went back, reread my script. I even, you know, my staff had even checked my script before I finished it to make sure that it was valid. And it was just the tables. And once I figured that out, I mean, I was doing a celebration. I was like, yeah. yes, it yeah. worked. And, you know, but you really have to enjoy that. Like you really have to, um, like puzzles is how I put it. Like you really need to understand that if you like a puzzle and trying to put it together, it's data analytics is for you. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is super, super frustrating. But then on the other side, once you figure that thing out, that took two hours, like you said, it is very rewarding, uh, to, to finally see it in there. And I think we probably don't give ourselves enough credit or I know I don't. So like, I'll do that. Of course, like takes two Mm -hmm. hours, figure it out. And then, you know, you start, you know, air punching because you're excited about it. And then, two seconds later, you're like, all right, onto the next thing, you know, like it'll probably exactly. take enough time to celebrate that. Like we probably should, but what would you recommend? So you have an analytics background, so it's easier for you to say, Hey, let's use, anal-, when you're talking about divvying up mm-hmm. the projects, uh, yeah. 
like kind of pilot projects for each team member. And so you have that background. So it's easier to say, um, this is where we should use analytics or maybe this is how, and, you know, you go do this little, you know, pilot project um, and, you know, probably even could offer some more guidance than that. But the problem that I find a lot also with trying to get it implemented is, okay, we bought the tool. Uh, even if we know maybe how to use a tool, now we have the data and don't really know what to test or like how to test it. Do you have any like guidance on, on that? Uh, so no, I wish I would. Um, I think it's really, it has to be organic. It's really organic and depends on the project, right? So actually right now we're working on an audit on looking at our license plate. So our, our, my agency is responsible for the license plate manufacturing of the state or at least getting the license plates. Mm -hmm. And we're using data analytics to really understand how kind of COVID impacted the manufacturing, you know, any risks with that. And so you know, we, we talk about it, you know, okay, what is the risk? What is the risk we're seeing, right? And maybe the risk is monitoring. Okay, if we're seeing that, you know, maybe we don't have enough monitoring, how do we, how do we use data analytics to come to that, to come to that understanding whether the risk is there or whether the risk is not, not, you know, and things like that. And I think that's how we approach it. And based on that, we'll, we'll do certain things. Like, for example, and I have an auditor who is phenomenal, but he wrote a script to pull all the tracking information off uh, like FedEx and the websites we use to, to send our stuff to identify how, you know, what's the shipping and things like that to see, you know, when they go into inventory and things like that. And that's pulling out some really cool results, which are helping us understand whether this risk is really true or, or not. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but like, it's really about the risk itself. Like if we're trying to understand whether it's mitigated or not, um, that's how we develop our data analytic tools and how we, you know, what we're going to use it for. What, what about the, so that's what we should be doing. Yeah. What should we stop doing? Long audit reports. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I came, I started my career in the federal government and our audit reports were about a hundred pages. Yeah. I can imagine. Uh, yeah. And, um, and then I transitioned to, to state government and even in state government, the reports are still pretty long. And I feel like I, I don't understand why we want to write. Like, I feel like we end up writing reports about look at all the stuff we did instead of look at what we need to correct. Right. Um, and that, you know, I think we need to minimize our reports. I think we need to rethink our reports. I personally would love to have a report where it's a visual that I can interact with and, and, and play with. Right. Yeah. Because that way I can, uh, you know, I think of the, the different learning styles, right? You have visual, you have hearing, and you have tactical. Mm -hmm. And that would be something where you could do, you know, visual, you know, playing with it, depending on how you frame it. You could even have hearing, right? Depending on the words and the symbols you use. So I would like to get to a point where our, our reports are just one visual, one pagers, um, you know, details to our clients, but really the the key things you need to know are on this one page. Yeah, that's interesting. You're talking about the three different, you know, learning styles. I don't know anybody <laughs> that's ever said, I'm not a visual learner. You know, like everybody yeah. says, I'm a visual learner. I'm a visual, you know, nobody ever says I'm not a visual learner. I think that helps kind of drive the point that you're making. It does. I do have a couple of staff that are, uh, that are, are people that are hearing learners, uh, which is oh. great because we do these one pagers for our board. So we have a report and then we put together like a, a static one page or an infograph for them. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they pick up on things that I would never see. 
and they're like, Hey, have you thought about how this looks here and what you're saying here? And I'm like, that is perfect. I, I never thought about that. And now that that visual is better. Yeah. So it's, it's like, I was just saying, not everybody is a visual learner. Some people are <laughs> hearing learners. <laughs> All right. I think that's probably a, a good one to close out on. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Sandra, yeah, very thank much you for so coming much. on. It was great Absolutely. to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere. So please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review. And it really helps to get future guests to come on the show. So we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.